Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bonner looking to get side of Bond. Le Bondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Empire Rolls podcast. We've been joined by an ex-player who has won the championship and international experience. It's Simon Church. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good, yourself? Um, not too bad in the world of Reading FC. Um, we're recording this just after a 4-1 defeat at Blackpool and kind of sums up where we are as a club at the moment. We're just a roller coaster, Simon. Yeah, it's uh, it's an extremely difficult period at the minute. I think, um, I mean, where do you start? Where do you start? Uh you know, there's there's a lot of people you can put the blame on, and I can appreciate. You know, I was at the game at Coventry, and I appreciate where the fans are coming from. Um, I think there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. There's obviously a portion of the crowd that that came onto the pitch and you know attacking attacking the players. I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. But at the same time, I do understand the passion behind it. You know, where the club's been previously to where it is now is completely different. And I just feel when I went the other day, it was the first time I've been back in a while. And I just felt like it's lost. The club's lost its identity a little bit. Um, The feeling around the club is extremely negative. And my experience in football is, you know, when things are going well, it's going okay. But when it, uh, when it isn't, it's, it's really tough place to be. Um, And yeah, it's just a sad, it's just a sad position. And you know, it's it, everyone can blame players, but there's so much more to it than than the players. Um, and I think really, you've it starts from the top. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that Dai Young has spent in the last, I think he's almost come up to five years now as an owner, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, you go to the training grounds, and um, I'm lucky enough to be there. It's, it's absolutely. I mean, compared to the one that we had before at Hogwood, it's a different world. But the problem is that doesn't help us on the pitch as a fan when you're watching it. And you look at the amount of money that we spent on players and it's incredible. The wastage and the amount of money that's gone, we're never retrieved that, Simon. And you have to have set up a structure and it's so frustrating seeing it. How do we move forward? I think if you look at the owner and you say how much money they've actually spent, They've actually spent a lot of money on the football club. They've improved the training ground. Um, they've spent a lot of money on players. But I think that's where the downfall is. Um, we were chatting before and we alluded to money can't buy you success. And that's something that I've seen throughout my career. Money can't buy you success. And it doesn't take a lot to create a successful atmosphere. And I can see, you know, with the, with the owner's money, you know, people would love to have an owner that would spend that that kind of money. So it's not just his. I think the people around him and giving him the advice and advising on player recruitment has been horrific. 
the infrastructure in the in the team there's no communication to the fans the players don't know what's going on you know some of the some of the crazy situations that have happened in the past couple of years in terms of director of the football and advisors and managers and i mean it's just lost it's completely lost its way from what it was and you know like like i said you can just tell that the whole club is is in a completely different state and yeah it's a shame to see that i think the biggest the biggest uh, reason why we've done this is is recruitment and and the infrastructure around the board um it's just completely lost its way yeah when you look at recruitment i'd like to when i start to look up how many players we've signed in the last 5 years that have actually got on to more money and a transfer because that was the whole of uh reading fc was set up when we had i'm gonna go back again it's really hard not to do that but you have to go back with reading to like remember good times for like nicky hammond brian mcdermott Medesky. there was a setup and an understanding that as a club to be sustainable we have to sell players so that i don't see any issue with that that's been successful for a lot of clubs but i can't really think of many that that's actually happened to we've obviously had a lease we left mm. uh, last season but it's really worrying when you're doing that because you just can't keep on doing that as Reading. Our, our figures come out and they're just horrendous as a business. I don't know how we move forward and it, it's really worrying, really worrying times. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen the figures as well. Um, again, you can't you can't fault the owner because he's spending the money. Mm. You know, a lot of a lot of football clubs are, are asking why that why they don't spend any money. Why don't they spend their money? He's spending his money. He's just putting it in completely, you know, wrong places. And I can't believe that after, what is it, five years or, or whatever, there's not been a huge change in how they approach things. And it's obviously not working. It's getting worse and worse. And how sustainable the club can be. I mean, I don't care how much money you got to be losing what you're losing and not seeing any results on the pitch. The most important thing from a football club is you can spend as much money on, on whatever, um, you know, merchandise, commercial values, all that kind of stuff. But if you're not doing it on the pitch, it's no good. It's no good being, you know, commercially profitable in League One, League Two, when, you know, you should be fighting for the Premier League. You're on the border of a Premier League club. And, yeah, I think that's, again, it starts from the top. Um the advisors and who's who's kind of really fronting the board. I, I know the board is like a, bit, a little bit messed up at the minute. Um, and it, yeah, we've kind of lost its way. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, it's difficult to go back, but what it was before, there was always a structure, there was always an identity. And that was all the way through to when I joined the club at 14. I knew, you know, the path, I knew the club had a had an identity. The, the football the football teams wanted to play the same way all throughout the the um the different age groups and yeah it's just completely changed and by the time i left reading i could see it changing quite a bit um and yes it's a bit of a shame to see that yeah yeah totally and at some point maybe we'll come out of this obviously i've seen on social media you're offering your services the club and whatever way that they would Except it, I suspect you seem very open to it. Lots of players that I've spoken to, they all feel the same. They seem to it's a real strong affinity and they never seem to hear anything back, which is the major issue. Yeah, no, I, I, do you know, I, I know what football's like. I know what football's like, but I also know it doesn't take too much to change it and people overcomplicate things. But I think one of the biggest factors in football clubs is you've got non-football people making footballing decisions and that there's a constant cycle between that you know people bring in their advisors and people who don't know football championship the club are making decisions on this and they're scratching their heads as to why we spent hundreds you know tens of millions of pounds but we're not getting success and it's not it's not rocket science it's not rocket science i mean you think of the season we we won the league we had one of the, one of the smallest budgets in the championship and i've got to admit and this is not being a bitter old pro the quality of the of the players in the championship at that time were much better the standard of, of the league was much better on on less money and the reason why we won is because of the atmosphere not just in the change room 
around the ground, our relationship with the fans, the fans were coming in, you know, 20, 20 plus thousand every week. And yeah, it's difficult when you've got that and momentum, you can, you can feel it, but it starts, it starts at the top. It starts with recruitment. It starts creating an identity for the club, creating an atmosphere where, you know, there's not, there's always in a big business, like, like a football club, there's always going to be, you know, segregation. People aren't going to um, like all this kind of say, different things that, that are going on. But when you've got the majority of people pushing the right way and pulling the right way, then you, you're more set up for success. And I just can't see anything if, in Reading. When I was there the other day, it was just all negative, all negative responses. There's not one positive to come out of it. The academy, nothing. Um commercially nothing like ambition nothing it's just you know where where do you go where do you go yes he spent a lot of money they got a nice new training ground brilliant enjoy that in league one it's just this right it's just crazy yeah yeah totally i yeah it's tough hearing all of this but i we all kind of know this as red and francis is actually what the scenario is and kind of when we were part of the people that actually started the protest that were outside the ground us in club 1871 and what you're saying there just backs it up. Where do you start? You've really got to like pinpoint the person. And I keep thinking it comes back to recruitment and recruitment seems to be led. I need to be careful here with all kinds of actions possible uh, is Keir Jarachan and his influence on the owner die young. And you cannot have a recruitment structure that is completely short term all the time. It just does not work, Simon, does it? No, and I think I think you go back to saying about f- football people who actually understand football, um, football, the championship, what's needed to create a team, who's been in a team environment. If you haven't been in that football changer room and and been part of a successful football changer room, it's it's extremely difficult to know what you're looking for to create that. Because I think if you if you scale it all back take money out of it take commercial out of it take you know all that kind of stuff the success starts on the pitch and if you haven't if you don't know how to create success on the pitch then you know you're just going to keep going around in circles trying to spend more money to to correct it and it's just not going to work and I, I think that's where football is just overcomplicated things but and and that's why so many clubs are in financial you know trouble because they've they haven't got the right people around them to advise them and, and they just end up spending so much money that it's just not sustainable. You see, you see how many clubs are actually profitable and most businesses aren't profitable, which I understand. But again, yeah, you've just got to take a look at it. And I think, yeah, from, from what I've seen at Reading, what I've heard, no one really knows what's going on. No one really understands the situation of getting players there, how they're bringing players, how they um recruiting them scouting all this kind of stuff i know they've got rid of a lot of scouts um it seems to me the academy has gone completely um backwards that's no no fault of um of jilksies or anyone like that you know I, i i think it just again it starts from the top and you know i look back at the consistent flow of players that came through even even before me to, to make it professional and I look at the bench the other day and for a club like Reading you know having youngsters on the bench they need to be making an impact mm-hmm. and I like whether it's going to take a bit of time or not I just feel like there's not enough players that are ready to make an impact yeah it's, it's tough hearing now about the academy because that's kind of like the backbone of Reading Football Club and you yourself being one of the products of that. We've obviously recently had Jim Carrigan on as well. There's so many players. I mean, I'm not going to say and list them all because it'd take about an hour to do them all, wouldn't it? But if you have that not set up properly, that's going to cause us huge issues going forwards because it's a real, it's just sad. It's just sad. If you could make one change to Red and Football Club right now, Simon, what would you do kind of for a short-term hit maybe or, long term whichever one you think I think I think um, I think you probably bring in a sporting director mm. um, and you bring in one that the, the, the problem with football is it's so stuck in the dark ages 
and you've got people that do the same things, you know, it doesn't work out and then they move to the, another club. Um, you know, the guy who's just gone to West Brom, who was at Reading, it baffles me. How has he got a job like that? I don't know. Um, but again, dinosaur, absolute dinosaur. And I think it just needs to be changed now. There's a new age of football's changing, the change room's changing. It's not the old school mentality. It doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. And I think you have to have someone that can link the board to the players, the board to the commercial, and then board to the fans. The fans need someone to speak to and get them back on side. Whereas, I guess the fans don't really know who they can. They can. I mean, they're out the other day, like you said, protesting. But you know, they're not getting anyone. They're not speaking to anyone. No. And I think you know. When you're when you're a fan, I, I totally get it. You pay money, you wanna you want, you know, you're invested in the club financially, physically, historically, and you just need some feedback. You just mm. need some feedback. What is going on? It doesn't it's not rocket science that something's going wrong. Um so I think, yeah, certainly a sporting director, kind of an maybe an experienced one just to settle the ship or you just go for someone who knows knows football um and wants to wants to make a bit of a difference. Yeah, I'd, personally, I'd love to see Brian in that role. Even coming like short term, set up a structure, move forward and see how it works from then. Because he's a man who understands football inside out. You know, he was head European scout at uh, Arsenal. This is someone who understands football as it is now. This is not a nostalgic appointment. He'd be brilliant, I think, Simon. Yeah, obviously, we. Uh, I had a great time with Brian, um, you know, towards the end there was things that you know we didn't didn't agree on but I think you know that's that's just football we knew the club mm. and unfortunately I think the second time he come back it, you know things had changed in the club and it wasn't the same club and it didn't really work out but yeah like you said someone experienced like that whether he'd want to be a manager again or not I don't know but certainly for a board role I think it's important to have those kind of people that are experienced it, experienced success, experience what it takes to build a successful club internally. Um, and also someone that, that the fans appreciate and would be happy and excited to see. Um, and I do think I do think that Reading's lost its way a little bit because those familiar faces have gone. Mm. And that's not just that's not just players, that's people in the staff. Um, that have been there a long time, um, you know, that real Reading fans, real Reading people that are part of the club, they've they've gone, they've been treated badly. And it's, it's, it's sad to see, you know, a lot of people have had to leave their, their roles. Um, and it's just, yeah, totally different club. So someone like that who could maybe bring back the... Because you don't want to bring it back how it used to be, times no. have changed, but you want yeah. the same kind of principles and, and things that, that, that created success. It's, again, it's not... It wouldn't take too much, and certainly wouldn't be too too much of a financial burden either. Yeah, totally. I don't want to go back to having the whole structure that we had before because football has moved on. Exactly what you say. But sometimes, if you bring in someone that takes a lot of boxes, <clears throat> even on a short term thing, it would be great for everyone. I think, and it's, and also the communication would be much better from someone like Brian if he was allowed. I think that's half the issue. Well, not half the issue. I think. There's other things going on that people aren't allowed to speak at all. So we have no idea of what's going on at the club. And that will come from much higher up. That would be people saying we don't want information coming out. And I don't know what we can do about that as uh, fans. And one thing I did find baffling kind of in the situation was that 150th day. You've got all those players in there. You've got Medeski, You've got yourself. You've got Jem. You had I think Martin Hicks there as well. Why were you not on that pitch, Simon? I do not understand this, and I will never understand that. It just makes no sense to me. It's an easy win, isn't it, for everyone, for you and for the club and for the fans? Yeah, I mean, like, personally, it was just it was just nice to be there. But, yeah, someone mentioned why weren't you on the pitch, and I, I don't know. Um, but I think it comes from, yeah, I just look, it just looked a mess. It looks a mess from the top. I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't think there's a lot of communication. I think certain individuals are given free reign to make their own decisions. Um, and sometimes their own decisions are made from a personal 
place rather than uh um you know for the good of the club um and that's football like we've seen it seen it a thousand times the relationships but at some stage you've got to kind of take responsibility you've got to come out and i think that that's the difference in in this there's not going to be any kind of statements there's not going to be anyone who's going to front it there's not going to be anyone who'd want to front it that's currently there um but that's why i think there's there's such a there's a couple of gaps that need plugging and again it wouldn't take too much but then how much control would they have mm. how much control would they allow to be have that i don't know yeah, I think mate, I think what also is you're seeing football in a different way now, aren't you? Because you've been out of it for a little bit and you have kind of like your different interests now and you obviously have a real passion for Reading Football Club because that's where you, I don't know, created your career maybe and kind of like really foundations and obviously went on to win the championship, which is, I think, an amazing thing to, I can't imagine that in any way or where kind of like how that would feel. And you're seeing how that's kind of dark football is and like how it's set up and how controlling it is maybe yeah i mean to be honest like i learned that pretty pretty quickly um mm. obviously started at reading um and then when i moved on from reading i saw it in different every single club i went to and i started question i started questioning things questioning managers questioning mm. boards um when i was at charlton we had four or five different managers in two years the board wanted you know just decided to put me train by myself for no reason apart from they wanted me to go and it kind of gave me I just thought you know what at this stage I'm not taking this um I need to I need to ask questions and unfortunately if you're a footballer a lot of footballers would say the same when they're out of it but if you ask questions you get penalized don't, don't say anything. Just get on with it. Just get on with it. And I just think that's such an old school mentality. Why, why not question things? And I've seen it, yeah, different different football clubs. Um, it's the Zeke, like the egos um, that you've got that you've got to battle with. And I just think, yeah, there's such a huge gap for a, a, a change. Uh, is it something I want to go into personally? Possibly. Possibly. I've been out of the game a while. I think I've got some value to give. Um, do I want to be a coach? No. Do I want to be a manager? No. Because again, you're just you're just like a player. It could be gone tomorrow, and then what's the point? Um, but I do see a big gap for ex players on on boards, on mm. boards, and given the value of what you know, how to create a successful team. How to what what does a player want from the boards? Because if if the board or the manager is giving a player a different signal, you've lost him. You've you've lost him. So the fans will see that. The fans will say he's on great money, but he's not doing what he's doing. Why? 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 Mm. He's just not. He hates the club. He has, But it's, there's more to that. People forget that players are humans as well. They've got their own things going on. Their family reasons. They might have moved, mm. left their family there. There could be politics at the club. There could be something that they're not happy with. There could be contract negotiations that have broken down. There could have been a move that they've stopped. There's so many different factors that, pe that people don't see and take into consideration. So I just think, yeah, communication in anything in life is, is, is normally the biggest breakdown of, of most things. So um, certainly in Reading's current situation there's zero communication and I think that that's not just from the fans that's from the players the players are scratching their head thinking what is going on here and mm. no disrespect to Paul Ince at all because amazing football guy amazing career he hasn't managed for eight years yeah. where, where have you plucked that from where have you plucked that from and times have changed in those eight years on how you mm. deal with players how you set it up the championship I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And again, that's no disrespect to him at all. He's got to come in and do a job and fair play if he does. Great. Hopefully the club stay up. But who's making that decision? You're saying exactly what all fans are saying. Um, well, I'll say 99% of fans and exactly what Jem Karachan was saying when he spoke to him the other day. Where does that come from? Who decides that that's someone who hasn't been in work for eight years 
is the guy to take us forward when we're in a relegation battle. It just makes no sense at all. I mean, we both wish him well. I want him to do really well. There's no kind of like, I know I want him to lose. I'm just stupid. I always want Reading to win. But it just seems so illogical. And yet again, kind of, it's a name above actual current ability, which isn't what you want as a club. You need to be looking for like young kind of like new managers who can take us forward. And I just don't see that at all with our, our club now. No, and I think that comes down to, again, who's who's making these decisions and is it is it on the, the good of the club, on the basis of the good of the club? Like, I don't know what's mm. happened there. Um, yeah. I thought it was completely random. I don't think, I've got to be honest, I don't think he was probably expecting it two, two three weeks ago. Um Obviously, it's an opportunity for him. And like I said, what a fantastic football career he had. He's got a lot of managerial experience. You know, proper football guy. Maybe he'll he'll bring back those old-fashioned, you know, things. You know, the aggression, getting back to the nitty-gritty stuff. But I don't know. I I, I was surprised when I saw it. I was surprised when I saw it. but nothing, nothing, nothing um, surprises me in football anymore. It just, it's just, it just makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. sadly, that is a situation of Reading. You look at stuff that's going on, and you think that is ridiculous. If this was another club, and you saw what they were doing, you would think, "What is going on there? That is turning into a complete farce." I mean, they spent all this money, six point deduction. Then they keep the manager probably too long, I would say. The situation of him leaving was a mess. Then they appoint someone who's not managed for eight years. I mean, until, in my opinion, and some other people probably listening to this, Keir Jarcham is not a massive voice in the ear of the owner. We're not going to move forward, Simon, are we? I, I just can't see it. I, I've got to be honest, I can't see... I can't see how the club move forward. If and also understanding what their their actual ambition is, what what is their ambition for the club? Is it is it a trophy asset? Is it is it something that they feel like they can pour? Because again, they have poured a lot of money into it. But are they? Do they feel like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna buy our way to the top? Uh, I just can't see the direction of the club at the minute. Do, do we bring? through the youth system, like we always have, brick players through the youth system. Do we focus on the academy? Why have you got rid of loads of scouts then? Mm. Why have you got rid of loads of, you know, younger coaches, the infrastructure of, of getting the youth through? I just don't, I just can't see the direction of the club, uh, the club at the moment. Uh, as I said, I think it's lost its identity. I think it's lost its, its real purpose. Like, wh- where are you going with it? Yeah, you, everyone wants to be a Premier League club and get to the promised land and the Premier. But but realistically, cut all, cut all that nonsense out. How how are you going to get there? How mm. are you actually going to get there? I don't know. That, that that's the kind of feeling I get when <laughs> I, when I went the other day. It's like how how do you actually get there? And people are like it's just you know, and people got jobs that work at the mm. club and they they've got to just carry on with that because they've been there for so long. They love the club, but it's just mm. the feeling is so flat. And yeah, it's strange, strange to see. I don't, I think something seriously needs to change. Something seriously needs to change at board level um, because that's that's where it stems from. Managerial, recruitment, um, relationship with the fans. They're the three things that I feel need, need to change quite significantly. But again, from a resource kind of point of view, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cost them a lot of money. It just—it's just getting the right people in, one person in. Get one person in that that can kind of change, lift the place a little bit. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. It, it feels to me it's a bit like the owner can't admit he's made a mistake, and ego is allowing it to like slide and slide down. And until that point when he arrives at here, admit he's made a mistake or leaves. Um, everybody fears that moment because he's put so much money into the club and no one can deny that, nothing's going to really change. Um, if the club was to magically offer you, you know, have a call with you, would you be up for that, Simon? Um, 
I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd certainly have a, a light. I'd certainly have a, a talk about it. Um, as I said, I feel like there's there's a huge gap for for that kind of thing. I'm not really saying, you know, I'm the guy to change round. You know, what I can say is not. It's not. I'm not just speaking for myself. There's other players out there who have had amazing careers. Uh, enjoyed a lot of success know what it takes to be successful and you know a lot of them are on the kind of coaching management path but have turned their nose kind of up at a board level role and I think certainly ex-players or ex-managers there's a real there's a real kind of niche for for that kind of role for them uh, so would it be something I would look at possibly yeah depending on the situation and how much I, I could actually affect um, I, I, that probably goes for a lot of ex-players as well um, but they've got value they've got value they can see they'll probably say exactly the same as me because they can see it they've been there but a lot of people don't want to um, ruffle feathers a lot of people don't want to um, you know be the face of negative kind of it could be a downer on the career you know I just I just think there's there's a big position for for an ex an ex-player or ex-manager to to kind of go into that role that that they've got to know the championship and they've got to have some sort of understanding of of you know what the club's about yeah totally I just from talking to you in this period of time I, I think you'd go in there and ruffle some feathers and you'd get something moving in the right direction. And that's exactly what we'd want. Um, Yeah, I I think it needs it. But again, I know football very, very well. I know it's driven by egos. It's driven by um, relationships. It's, um, you know, they might might not want that. At Mm. the end of the day, the owners buy a club. It's their club. Unfortunately, whether whether anyone likes it or not, you know, I, I had it at Charlton. I had it at Charlton. Um, I was there for four months. New owner comes in, buys it, changes everything, gets rid of people at the club, um, manager, and the whole infrastructure and, and identity changes straight away. The fans lose. Um, you know, uh, they just get disheartened by the whole thing. And you can't change it. You've got someone who's a CEO, chief exec or whatever, who's never been in football, doesn't understand when you're questioning things, bringing in managers that don't know the players and the championship and wondering why it's not going well, uh, especially in a relegation battle. It, it just it blows my mind. So I just think it's it's not even rocket science, some of the stuff that needs changing. Um, mm. But like I said, football's stuck in its old ways that some people don't even like change. I look at the PFA, for example, PFA. Mm. Same thing for years. Um, I don't know what it is about football, but it's just so far behind. It is. It's so frustrating. On um, something that's completely not related, you just look at FIFA yesterday and not banning uh, Russia. It. You just think, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, and what part of your brain thinks it's money to it's me money. that is that's just ruling it's isn't it? I mean, it's just so obvious mm. it's so obvious like like most things whether it's football business whatever money money talks and relationships and money and power and these kind of things it's you know unfortunately Reddin as well he's got a lot of money does he actually know what's going on does he, does he really know? Is he that invested in, you know, well, why, why isn't this working? Why haven't we done that? I don't know. I don't know. Slightly worrying. <laughs> slightly worrying. It really is. It's, when I say slightly, it's massively worrying in, like, my Reading FC part of my brain. There's other stuff going on, but it is a huge concern. So what are you doing now, Simon? You've obviously been out of the game for a couple of years. I saw so about uh, CBD, performance... Uh, um, what would you call it? You're the master of this business, uh, Simon. You're the person who's involved with it. Yeah, I mean, um, it was difficult when I retired because um, I was kind of, for years, even at Reading, I was struggling with my recovery and um, my hips. And I later just got addicted to painkillers, sleeping tablets, anything to get me through. Mm. I was always one that kind of never wanted to miss training, never wanted to miss a game. Um and it just got progressively worse, worse and worse, the stage where um, 
after the Euros, I went to Holland and we played on artificial pitches and that just absolutely done me over. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to seek some sort of alternative, um, like natural solution to painkillers and all that kind of stuff. So I came across CBD, saw it was legal. I've never smoked weed or anything like that. And it, it derives from the cannabis leaf. So I did a lot of research in um, the compounds and how it affects you and your body naturally excretes it and this kind of stuff. So I was really interested. Always had an interest in kind of creating my own business, um, having something outside of football to fall back on. Because in the back of my head, I always knew I'd have to retire early. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't realise at the time that I'd have to retire, you know, straight away. And the surgeon basically said at Plymouth that um, you have to stop playing as, you know, you, you're going to struggle to walk for the rest of your life. So um, that was it. I was just kind of cast it out and find, find my own way. And yeah, came across, came across CBD, saw a big gap in the market. And I thought, you know, luckily football for me has given me, I've had so many ups, I've had so many downs, I've had so many challenges and I'm not afraid to kind of take the leap of faith. Mm. It's kind of given me that. And like I said, question everything. So I've always had that kind of confidence to go and try something, whether it works or not. It, 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 well, it's, it's, it's going well. We found a little gap in the market and wanted to create some some products that, that people can take and we're in Selfridges and American Golf and looking to go into a big retailer at the minute as well so it's it's going well it's interesting completely different from football but mm. as i said comfort zones i like kind of get getting out of that no it sounds great there's a huge market out for that at the moment isn't there such a growing developing world i don't need to convince you of any of that because you're fully on top of it but it just i see like ex-professionals and it's a really dangerous zone when they quit because They've had that adrenaline. They've had that target since they were very, very young. And then they can find it so hard to not fill that space. So I, I think it's great that you've got all these things going on because I've spoken to quite a few and it's a really tough time for them, isn't it? It's so difficult. I mean, a lot of people when they hear, you know, how can, how can you know, not, people don't talk about it really, but the troubles they have on, on a personal issue, obviously, mm what they've done their whole lives is football. That's all they know. So especially in the old, older days, it was frowned upon to even look at any other kind of interests outside of football it was football, 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 dedication, dedication, dedication. And when it's over, you're pushed to one side. Um, and not that there's a, there's a slight similarity between um, athletes and people that are coming outside the army. Um, obviously different kind of um, things that they've gone through but having that team camaraderie every day the routine um, you know the adrenaline but you can't replicate that you can't I can't re replicate anything I've had in football outside of football the dressing room the banter every day that we had the, the different people I've met the experiences the stadiums the, the highs the lows like you can't experience that anywhere else and it's difficult and you know financially it's it's completely different um you know we're lucky to i say we're lucky that we work we worked hard and a lot of people forget we work from the age of eight our whole lives dedicate miss out on so many things to get into these positions and millions and millions of people are trying to take your place every single day mm. um but when it's over it's over and finding something to replace that is taking its toll and the numbers on you know bankruptcy divorce um alcoholism are so high and it's a constant circle and i found it tough i found it really really tough when i retired because like i said football was all i knew i felt like i personally felt like i had reached you know a good level but i felt like i could have done more and for it to be taken away from me so one of the biggest one of the only resentments I have of football is that I never actually kicked a ball in the Premier League. And I oh, think yeah. that was that that's the one thing I can look back at and it, it still gets to me a little bit. Um and I felt like I deserved a chance to play in the Premier League. Um but apart from that, yeah, it it moves on. And then for for, for me, for example, I'm 33 years old 
the realization of you know I'm still young, I've got my whole mm. life ahead of me. I've got children that I can actually take to school. I can see, I can enjoy like my time. Whereas in football, it's difficult. You're in routine, you're traveling a lot. You have to have your sleep. You have to have your recovery. You have to sacrifice things with the family because you get ready for that. And you know, I'm I'm enjoying the challenge. I'm enjoying. You know, it's not easy, but life's not easy, is it? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. I think it's fascinating because it's this world of kind of. As a football fan, a lot of football fans will say, "Oh, football players get played a lot of money, or they have this pampered world." But actually, there's so much that's going on that we don't know about, and that can be the reason why players don't play well, as you might have mentioned earlier in the podcast. And these things affect everyone. You you can't just go onto a pitch and just switch off from everything because. You could say you could do that, but all the preparation before hasn't been right. I mean, you must have had situations in your career when there's off-field activities happening, whether it's your personal life or at the club, and it just affects everything. Oh, 100%. I, um, early on in my Reading career, my, my dad was struggling with cancer, and I had personal mm-hmm. stuff going on with my mum. She had a brain tumour. Um, she had a stroke. She was in a coma for ages as I was going through the, the youth system. But then I can, I'll, I'll never forget, there's, we played Newcastle away on Sky under Brendan Rodgers. And the night before the hotel, in the hotel, um, I was rooming with Longy at the time. And I got a phone call to say, you know, my dad's got a couple of days left. And we were playing live on Sky at uh, St. James's Park, midday kickoff. And I was starting and I was like, I couldn't think of anything worse that I wanted to do. But I felt like I had to, and I had, I had the worst game as well. Got absolutely battered, and I didn't tell anyone about it. And then a couple of days later, he passed away, and it was just one of those ones where no one really knew what I was going through, and I just kind of got on with it as as you try to do. And then I think something like that, until you haven't, you know, you haven't fronted it, you just put it to one side, and you just try and go through it, and then. When things aren't going well, like there's, I think the season after that, um, Brian came in, I did okay, and then the season after that one, I didn't have a good season, and I felt like I think I scored four goals, I didn't play much, but I was still playing for Wales, and that was kind of my only thing that would get me get me through it, and I kind of just went into a real dark place. But people don't know that. Um, and I think that happens with so many players. Like people forget that we're humans. We ha- we're going through the same situations, um, whether it's you know personal stuff, kids, different problems, um, alcohol. You know that's that's a big factor because, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't really take into consideration. And you forget how young some of us are like we I started my Reading career properly at 20 years old I was playing for Wales at 20 years old and 20 years old like how do you how do you cope with all this stuff how how do you I look at like people like Rashford and you know the amount of abuse they they receive when they try and do the right things and it's not like you become a bad player overnight it's it's difficult to replicate that the whole time, and you see, I see people people like this this season, like John Swift, for example, fantastic player. He's come up with moments of excellence, but when he does that, people expect him to then do that every single game, mm. and he can't do it every single game. He can't do it on his own every single game, and you know, unless you're a freak, I've, I play with, obviously play with Gareth Bell, where every time I play with him he'd do something crazy. I just look at him and think you're a freak. But that, that, that <laughs> people forget, you know, that there's so much stuff going on. But like I see new players who've done really well at one club, go to another club and they don't replicate it. But then people forget, you know, he's got to move, he's got to fit in. Is his family okay? Is his family settled? Mm. Uh, is he worried about something else? Is he not enjoying it? Is he not feel comfortable? I've, I've moved to loads of clubs. And I've just thought straight away, I, I'm, this isn't me. I don't enjoy it. I don't I don't get on with, you know, it's not the same. It, it's difficult as a player. When you've had success somewhere and you go somewhere else, yeah. you feel like it's just going to be replicated. And when it doesn't, it's it's just disappointment, really. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. 
it's difficult to replicate that Reading team that we had. Yeah, no, I, I see this from lots of players that are speaking to Hill on the pod and other stuff because they seem to spend a lot of their time just comparing everything to Reading. There are some players that have moved on being successful and been really successful in other areas, but some of them, they find it kind of hard to move on from that period. And I can see why, because it wasn't just successful. It also, as a fan, it looked like a unit. It looked like a bunch of people that actually really got on fantastically well from the season that you got promoted to the Premier League. We we had such a good squad. And I mean, from everyone, we... And I think that, again, that's what I talk about, identity and how Brian ma- let us manage ourselves. We managed ourselves. He didn't really manage us. We had leaders in there. We had, you know, a spine of young players that had came, come through the academy, been at the club for years, you know, a lot of experienced pros and then people that, that just wanted to be part of it and, and, and be successful. And you could feel it. Um, you could feel it, certainly. People forget that we started off that season, you know, towards the bottom. We had a rubbish start. We, it was a bit probably delayed from um, the playoff final, which we lost. But then, yeah, we had such a good squad in there. We'd come in every day, we'd be laughing, joking, but training would be intense. People want to play. People want to play in your position. And it was just an amazing thing. I only ever had that at, um, at Wales. That was the only time I kind of replicated that where, you know, a similar thing, the the environment that was created just bred success. It was just like we knew we were going to win. We knew we were going to go further than anyone could ever think. And that was because of what was what was inside and how we were together. Every day we were laughing and joking. We all got on really well. We were all doing things outside of um outside of training and, and things like that. And I think it's so important to have that. Yeah, I take it. I mean, you made a, talking about Wales there, you made a couple of appearances when you made it there to the semi-finals. That was incredible. And to be involved with a team with Gareth Bale, I mean, that's an absolute joy, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to to kind of, um, you know, play in the, the first team setup for a long time since the under 20 and, we were quite lucky that we all grew up together. Similar, similar kind of story to Reading, really, with with the amount of academy guys that we kind of grew up playing with into the first team, and that makes a big difference. Years, years of not quite getting there, but building up the experience mm. and the know how and playing games always helps. And then we finally, you know, got to a stage where we're all playing first team football, we've all experienced, and we all know what it takes to win. And I think that that was so important. The Wales, um, I, I always had a passion of playing international football. There's nothing better. Um, and obviously being with Howe as well, someone who I grew up with. And I know he had a tough time before the tournament. He had a tough time at Reading. Um, and to do what he did in the, in the Euros was, you know, testament to him and his, and, his, and his mindset. But having something like that kind of situation was a dream come true. I should have retired after that, to be honest. um, (laughs) Yeah, amazing. That that is what dreams are made of. And then you you go from that to then, you know, trying to get yourself going again. It's so difficult. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine the the high, the the, the rollercoaster of football that it is. We started off by saying that about Redding Football Club, but the kind of the adrenaline you must get from that. You've got the backing of a whole country behind you. And they're supporting you. The well support always looks fantastic. It looks incredible. And you've got the pride because the Welsh national team isn't something that has always done well in international tournaments. I can say that as an England fan as well, because obviously we haven't won anything too. But just it's even smaller nations. So it's so um, kind of, you must, if you go to Wales now, you must be recognised by so many people if you were there, Simon. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's not. It's always nice to go back, and it's nice to kind of relive what we achieved. Because what what we achieved, no one would ever have dreamt of us achieving. Um, and yeah, they, those experiences are, are once once in a lifetime. I mean, we we were away for about seven weeks, so I didn't see my kids for about seven weeks. They were too young to travel, and it was it was carnage. But those seven weeks were just you know, the best seven weeks ever because we're experiencing tour- tournament football. There's someone that's a localish kind of kid 
that dreamt of playing, you know, in an international tournament. And then to be there, it was surreal. And I, ju- I was just desperate to kind of get on and just say I've, I've played in a, in a tournament. But, you know, to come on in, in the semi-final and, you know, play in a semi-final, a European semi-final, some, something that, you know, Beckham and Skulls and Shearer and all that kind of, they've never done it. So I noticed that little dig there, Simon. But that kind of thing, you know, I can't look back on my career, even though the Premier League thing, it really, really digs me to this day. Uh, I was on the bench a couple of times and there's something I just got to get, I just got to get over. But I, do, I still can't when people talk about, you know, the Euro is amazing. It's just the Premier League thing really gets me. Yeah, no, I can understand that. There's always... I think with most players, there's always something they'd wish they'd done. It doesn't matter what it is. I bet even if you sat there with David Beckham, they'd say, oh, yeah, but I didn't do that one thing. And that would be England, probably, for him. Yeah, 100%. I think, do you know, I have noticed that there's always, um, whether whether it's footballer, well, just stick on the football thing. Most footballers will always look back and say, I could have done that differently or I should have gone there when I had the chance to go there or I should have scored more goals, but I can happily say I shouldn't have been offside as much as I was. <laughs> like, that, that, this, there's so many things that you could, could look back, but I don't like looking back. I think there's there are probably times, especially with Reading, I could have dealt with the situation better um, the season I left. Um and there's probably things that I could I could have done a little bit differently as well, but that's hindsight. What's the point? What's the point in living on that? Um, had some amazing times, and yeah, like like anything, you just you just move on. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was a shame the way the way it ended with Reading, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, you have to kind of decisions are made, aren't they? With hindsight and kind of like age as well, you kind of like look at things differently, don't you? You can't always be worried about the past you seem to be moving forward in a brilliant way so yeah no it's, it's taking a bit of time um as i said like i, I, I did struggle after um mm. i struggled for for a while but you know you go go through that um you know you take kind of a step back and look at everything what you've achieved box it off and then on, on to the next so not too bad <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks a lot for joining me, Simon. I really appreciate it. Hopefully at some point we'll have more of an upbeat chat about Reading FC. I mean, I'm not expecting that soon. I'll be totally honest, but uh, we will see. No, see, I don't I don't like being negative all the time about it, but I know, I know it's difficult to be positive at, at the moment. I mean, yeah, hope, hopefully things will change and they'll bring, bring some people in and have a look and see what needs changing, but... I think that might take a while, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think if you came on saying it was all brilliant and everything, all that, they'd think, what's happened to him? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. So, yeah, cheers. No, Thanks. No problem at all. Appreciate everyone who's listening to it. Feel free to subscribe if you're